Welcome to another edition of First Word from First Church. This is Pastor Dave Buchanan at the First Church in Sutton. Please enjoy the message and may God bless you richly through it. Our lesson today comes from Matthew chapter 11, verses 16 through 19 and 25 through 30. But to what shall I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to their playmates. We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking and they say he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking and they say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom this Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest in your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. God, please bless our hearing and understanding of his holy word. Thank you, Brian. I've been fascinated when I really started studying this passage about the very last of it, all who labor and are heavy laden. And Jesus talks about his yoke. And many, many years ago, seems like many anyway, when I was a student, and one of my in-laws said, uh, show me one of your sermons sometime. And we're doing a video recording and all that. So I, I showed him a uh, copy of the text that I'd actually prepared a text for once instead of as an outline. And he read through it and he was very active in local decision-making and decision-making bodies. And he says, huh, that's clearly a Republican sermon. I said, what? What you talking about? Well, a Democrat would have made that a yoke with Jesus, a dual yoke instead of a single yoke. And I'm like, really? And there's a word in Greek for dual yoke and it's not the word used here. So one of my first lessons that sometimes it's filtered through ears what I think I'm saying, <laughs> I guess. Anyway, life was hard work. I mean, it's not easy now. But life for the faithful even in Jesus' day was hard work. Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden. And he's not just talking about daily toil. He's not talking about whether, as happens in many parts of the world to this day, women carry jugs of water for miles just to have something safe for their family. That was going on. In fact, my mother used to remind me that she had to carry the buckets of water up to the 
the house too, but not just that kind of labor. The rules were such that Moses had laid down and the Pharisees kept adding fences to them. To give them a little credit, there's a logic to the fences around the rules. If God says you won't labor on the Sabbath, you don't want to violate the core of that, so you set up these little gates all around it. And you only untie your donkey to walk at a certain distance on the Sabbath to give it water and food. I've mentioned before, you don't tie a knot in your sandal on the Sabbath that you can't untie with one hand. In Bangor, there are several synagogues of different types of faith, and the two most conservative ones are on one side of Bangor, the east side of Bangor, near the hospital and a lot of professional offices, and those are the neighborhoods where my Jewish friends tended to live because they could walk to synagogue within the 15 or 20 minute limit to this day. Those aren't too bad. But there's a story told of the burdens and Jesus says to this to the Pharisees, you're hypocrites, you're false leaders. You tie up burdens for other to bear, others to bear, but you don't carry yourselves. You make God's holy life or life for his chosen people a burden. You make it heavier than it has to be. They tell a story of a woman, a widow, with two daughters. And she manages to take what little inheritance she's got and buy a plot of land from which she hopes to feed herself and her daughters. She gets ready for planting and the Pharisees come and say, wait a minute, you can't mix wheat and barley or rye and spelt or whatever. You can only plant one pure grain in a plot of land because they took something from Leviticus that said you never mix your grains that's why when the colonials made linsey woolsey cloth, they were really violating the Old Testament. You're not supposed to mix wool and linen or cotton and wool or I don't know what they do with all our synthetics now. But anyway, I said, you've got to plant pure seed and we'll sell it to you. So she scraped it together and got the seed so the Pharisees would not condemn her from the, the family of worship for, for planting seed that, that might have a couple of stray of the wrong ones in it. Just about harvest time, the Pharisees come and remind her, by the way, when you and your daughters are carrying all the sheaves back from the harvest, if you forget one, you've got to leave it there. That's ours. You can't go back and clean up your harvest. Oh, and by the way, you can't harvest all the way to the edge of your field. You've heard the phrase, living on the margins? You had to leave the margins of your fields unharvested ostensibly for the poor. And of course, the Pharisees were happy to take charge of that distribution for you. Well, this got so burdensome because when she got it all threshed, she got her ready to take the mill. Here come the Pharisees again. Well, after what you've told me to leave in the field, now you want one-tenth up front. That's right. So I took her tithe up front. So she still got to engage someone to mill this for her and then she's managing to try to feed her daughters and after a couple of seasons she realizes maybe livestock's a better investment. So she sells the land and with the money she buys a couple of sheep. 
going to get milk. You're going to get cheese. You're going to get wool. That's marketable. You can get a cash crop out of that. Okay. Here come the Pharisees again. By the way, the first season's shearing belongs to us. Where goes that cash influx? You still got to feed and water these sheep and tend to them. Well, you know, lambing season will happen and I'll, I'll get add to the, the livestock. So the ewe has a lamb and here come the Pharisees. By the way, first one belongs to us. So now she's a season without a lamb. So she finally has to sell the sheep. She can't afford to keep them. And she and her daughter sit and weep as they eat from what little is left from the selling of the sheep. Oh, and when she sold the sheep, the Pharisees said, oh, by the way, since you de declared those as dedicated to God, they both belong to us anyway. The burdens that were put upon people to try to live God's way for those who were not either wealthy or in power or the power that comes with wealth, had awful burdens just to try to live faithfully to God. And those who were supposed to be shepherds according to the Old Testament were false shepherds who burdened the sheep, burdened the flock, burdened the people of God with too much to do. And I probably missed a couple levels of that story, by the way, of the widow and the two daughters. I, it took a page and a half to read it. I didn't want to read it to you and bore you with the whole thing, but you get the drift that at every stage, they took enough to make it a hardship, make it a burden to be one of God's people. What happens to people in those circumstances? They cheat. Or in other ways, they can't comply with all of the burdens, all of the fences that someone has told them they need to do to be right with God. And Jesus, our mild, meek, gentle, quiet teacher, roundly chewed out the Pharisees in real clear and loud terms for what they did. When it came time to speak, Jesus spoke. And he didn't mince his words to them about the burdens. So what does he tell you? He says, I'm gentle, lowly in heart. I told you before that at that time in that culture, the Koine Greek, the language that this was written in, had no good word for humble. Humble or meek would be translated as wimp in today's modern English. There was no good word for it. Pride, strength, leadership, control, those are all good things, power. Meek, milk toast. Jesus said, I don't have to be that way. Gentle, lowly in heart. I don't have to inflict God's rules on you. I want to give you rest. Does he say it's going to be burden free? Uh, not quite. Not quite. He says, My yoke is easy. And I love word plays. You know that of me with different languages. Word plays were not unknown in ancient Hebrew or in this ancient Koine Greek. For when he says his yoke is easy, the word for easy was Christos. And Jesus' second name is Christos, the Christ. Christos means easy. But it means easy, not in easy to pull, 
easy means like if you're, if you're getting a jacket, you like, like to reach, you like to move a little bit, you want it to be easy in the shoulders, you have some ease, it means a good fit. An easy yoke was a well-fitted yoke. They'd bring the beast, usually an ox, to the carpenter. Remember what trade Joseph taught Jesus. Joseph is depicted, when he's depicted in statuary, as holding a big framing square, a big carpenter's square. Jesus, if he learned his earthly father's trade, was a carpenter. And there's a legend. And I want to tread too far into legend out of God's word, but it fits. That if Jesus was a carpenter, he made yokes, because they were made of wood. And they'd bring the animal to the carpenter and measure the beast, cut the yoke, chisel it, smooth it, sand it, whatever they did to it, bring the, bring the ox back for a fitting or two, kind of like a wedding dress, except the ox is going to wear this every day, not just one occasion. So an easy yoke was a yoke fitted by the hands of a skilled carpenter not to chafe and to hurt the animal doing the labor. And Jesus was reputed in Galilee, according to legend, to make the easiest yokes in all of Galilee. He had the, the hand for the best fit. Well, one would hope so. He's, he's the Lord. So he's fitting these yokes, and he says, my yoke is easy. Does that mean it's going to be easy to pull? Maybe not. We're going to have to plow the furrow into which the Lord puts us with that yoke or haul the wagon that the Lord loads for us. But we know that it's gonna be fitted to us. Friend of mine, who's now a retired chaplain, but graduated from West Point about seven years before I did, started his career as an infantry officer. One of those guys that walked many miles carrying a pack and a rifle. I wasn't one, he was. And he later on then managed to get qualified to be in special forces. And he told when he talked about carrying a burden, he was amazed when he got into special forces because here's all these senior sergeants on a special forces team who are shrugging on their rucksacks that are expertly fitted and complaining that they only weigh 60 pounds. I wouldn't be complaining. I'd probably be on my knees now. But he says they, unlike the infantry soldiers he'd worked with, these guys were accustomed to because they knew how to fit their packs. Their rucksack was fitted each to his own. He knew exactly where every piece of equipment he was going to need for that mission was. And he said he really enjoyed working with folks who, who carried their burdens well fitted and knew how to do that. You see, I had the opposite experience when I was my first summer at West Point. We had these old canvas suspenders that held up our little packs and our belts and whatnot. Modern soldiers look at them and say, are those World War II? And they weren't different. They weren't much different. Nobody had told my squad leader that these suspenders came in sizes. I spent the first half of the summer in a pair of short suspenders. And it pulled my belt right up into here and I wound up in the hospital with pleurisy. Because my, my yoke wasn't fitted properly. Once they got me a better pair of suspenders, I won't say it got easy, but it got less difficult to bear the burdens with which I was, was packed up. Same thing with a, with a youngster. If you've bought a child for school a book bag, 
what I would call a rucksack. How many years before you could buy another one? And then fit, it's not easy anymore. One, they get more books, but it's not easy in the shoulders. It doesn't fit. And it's harder to carry the burden. Jesus doesn't say our lives will be burden-free. He says the burden will be light. The burden will be in some ways a joy. He doesn't say that we don't have a labor in the kingdom of God to do. Teaching, serving in the kitchen, serving at a Labor Day breakfast, serving in the household or in maintenance or maybe even preaching. We all have that service to one another in God's household. And Jesus says it may not be easy every day, but my burden will be a light joy. I'm not going to add to the burden like the Pharisees did for the sake of the burden. I want to bring you to the Father. He has just got done talking about the Father. I'll show you what the Father's like because you'll see him in the Son. And the burdens will be lighter to bear. The yoke will be fitted. The job will be easier. Yes, it may be a heavy burden, but with Christ there to help carry it, it'll be fitted, it won't chafe, and it will certainly be in the course of building God's kingdom, not the power of somebody else. Take Jesus' yoke on you. Yes, there's a piece of that that we, we rebel against. A yoke is also submission. Putting yourself into Jesus' service. Taking the load for him and as he directs. But on our best days, I don't know about you, I take comfort in his direction as well. His yoke is easy, his burden is light. Thanks be to God. Amen and amen. Thank you for having joined us for First Word from First Church. We pray that God has blessed you in some way, in his way, through the message that we have just shared with you. Please join us again. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance over you and give you peace. Amen and amen.